Welcome back. It's been such a long time, Adam and I missed you guys, but we are back with True North Soccer Season 2, Episode 6. Today, we'll be previewing Canada's upcoming Nations League semi-final against Panama. Now, let's get right into it as we have quite a bit to cover. Let's talk about Canada's squad. Do you think there are any surprising omissions or inclusions in this whole squad? But I think this squad is pretty much the regulars. Yeah, I think uh, John Herdman here valued continuity. Uh, players that have been a part of the squad. And I think what you have to remember is that this is only two games. It's just a semifinal and then a final or a third place game. So you're not going deep into your squad, right? There's not going to be a lot of rotation. So you need guys that are good around the squad who have been there. Uh, so that's what I think... John Erdman valued continuity. So looking at the attackers first, Cavallini, Hoylip, Buchanan, Laren Davies, David, a lot of the names that you'd expect to see. The only thing I would say is uh, interesting to see Cavallini there. Um, I'm not surprised because I think the reason Herdman called him up was he could have called up Brim or he could have called up Ugbo, but I think Cavallini got the call up because Cavallini has been playing regularly in Mexico. And I think Cavallini is someone who is good around the team. He's been with the Canadian men's national team for a while. And I think he's a better impact player off the bench than Brim and Ugbo are. You know what you're going to get from Cavallini when you bring him off the bench. So like, he won't play that much. But if you need him, he's there. And he's someone who's good around the team. So... It's just continuity. That's why I think Herdman's gone with Cavallini. Everything else is as expected in the attack. I think with the midfield, again, similar to the attack, no real surprises for me. Uh, Laturi, Hutchinson, Kone, Azorio, Stacchio, all players that you would expect to see. David Watherspoon, like Cavallini, I think that you could have gone with a few other players like Herdman could have gone with maybe Matthew Schwanier, who's been really good at CF Montreal. So he could have gone with Schwanier. But again, Watherspoon is someone who has been around the team. He's been a part, been a part of Herdman's squad a lot. Someone with experience. Uh, so again, I don't think Watherspoon will, will play much. He may not even play at all. Uh, so I don't think it makes that big of a difference, but he's someone who's been around the team, and I think that's why Herdman went Watherspoon's way. Piet is still dealing with injuries and stuff. Uh, I'm not surprised Mark Anthony K was admitted. I think it's been a rough season for him at TFC, so I think you have to go with informed players. So, yeah, again, midfield, not anything I'm too surprised about. Going on to the defense... You know, Johnston, Atacube, Miller, Vittoria, Zator, Larea, Kennedy. Again, all players that I expected to get a call up. Um, Derek Cornelius is out with an injury that is really too bad. I think he's been great this season in Sweden. I think that Derek Cornelius has kind of been one of those bubble players that has been kind of in and out of the team, but I think he's taken a real step forward this year, and he was really... He was a rival to Kamal Miller for that left center back role. Like, I was really thinking that Cornelius might start this game against Panama. He, he's been playing that well. So, 
it's a real loss that he's not there. So that sucks, but I was I was surprised at who we called up after Cornelius was injured. I was surprised that I thought we were going to go with Kyle Hebert as the backup left center back, but Herdman called up Moise Bombito, the Colorado Rapids young defender, 23 years old. Uh, he's played with Colorado this season. He's been good. So it's a new face. I don't think he'll play much, but it's a new face in the team. So that's always good. Uh, that would be the only real surprise for me in this squad, that Bombito got called up over Hebert. It's great to see Zator back. I think he's the backup for Alistair Johnston in that right center back role, uh, which I remember talking about in March. Uh, he's had a good season in Poland. You know, and the goalkeepers are as expected for me. So other than Bombito being included... There was no real surprise as this was all about continuity and experience. Would have to completely agree with you here. I mean, it's the Nation League's semifinal and final, God forbid, third place match. And I think in this situation, you kind of have to value the experience that a lot of these players do bring rather than maybe bring in some new talent. You always have the Nation's League group stages or friendlies to bring in new talent and really develop them. In this case, you're you're going for silverware, so I think it is best to go for the continuity and the experience provided by these players that John Herman has called up. Now, and a little bit of an interesting one that might have slipped people's minds, Aiden Morris, you'll now be cap-tied with the USA at the Gold Cup. And how big of a loss is that for Canada, and how can they improve their chances You know, at securing those dual national players that a lot of times often, unfortunately, do not decide to play for Canada? Yeah, so Aiden Morris is a loss. He's a midfielder, plays as more of a box-to-box number eight, uh, plays for the Columbus crew. He's had a wonderful season. On and off the ball, he looks a real talent. And I think he's someone that would have added depth to the Canadian midfield. I think that's the biggest thing you look at with Canada. You have Astakio, you have Kone, you have Azorio. But beyond that, there's a drop-off, I think. Especially with Atiba retiring uh, after these two games, that's a big loss too. So I think Canada could have really used a young player like Morris to really build depth in that midfield for the future as we go on to the World Cup in three years. So I think it's a big loss because I think he's really talented. I, I I think that it's it's everything John Herdman said about securing dual national players. For those who didn't hear, he he said that we need more youth camps so that young Canadian players can build affinity with the Canadian men's national team from a, a younger age, right? Aiden Morris played with the United States youth teams. So it's not a surprise that he has more of a connection to the U.S. than he does to Canada, right? There's too many players that are dual citizens and they could be playing for us, but they play for the U.S. or whatever European or African team and they play in their youth camps and they play at these Youth World Cups. Uh, So look at the U.S. They were at the U-20 World Cup recently, right? Canada, they didn't qualify for that. Canada, they haven't qualified for the Olympics, which is a U-23 tournament now. They haven't qualified for the Olympics in a while. So we need more youth camps. We need to improve at the youth level. We at the youth level. We need to be at these tournaments, these World Cups, these Olympics, 
we need to be at these tournaments so that players like Aiden Morris can have opportunities with the youth Canadian teams at a younger age and really build a connection with them so that when it comes time for that senior call-up, there's more of a chance that they will choose Canada. So that's something for Canada soccer to really look at. Thanks for briefly mentioning Atiba Hutchinson. Yeah, we did receive news that he will be retiring after these Nations League finals, which is honestly a really big blow. We kind of we it was kind of a matter of time at this point of when Atiba would retire. You know, he's he's reaching 40 years old now, but it's still obviously a huge loss, especially for someone being our captain for so long and who has provided and been an absolute rock in the midfield for Canada. So Atiba, thank you for all your contributions towards Canada soccer. You will be greatly missed, and it's unfortunate that he can't participate with us for the Gold Cup, but hopefully we can win some silverware for Atiba's last dance with Canada. Now, let's see who are a few Canadian players, you know, that stuck out to you at their clubs this season. Um, I think the biggest one for me, obviously, is Jonathan David has a great season with Lille and he's being linked with all these other places and there's also rumors that he might sign a contract extension with Lille. We'll see how that goes, but for me, my standout player is Jonathan David, but I want to hear your opinion on a couple standout players at their clubs this season. Yeah, well, Jonathan David's a great shout. 24 goals in 37 league on games. Uh, was in a golden boot race with the likes of Kylian Mbappe. So... I mean, what a season for Jonathan David. I'm happy he stayed at Lille. Uh, I think he's become a better all-around player. And, you know, I I expect him to make a big move this summer. And I think he would be very deserving of it. Um, The ones for me, since you said David, the one for me that stuck out the most actually was Stefan Estacchio. I thought at at Porto, um, he really got a regular spot in that team. Right, and he was playing consistently, and he actually wasn't playing as much as a holding midfielder. Right, Concesao gave him the freedom to play a bit higher up the pitch, and you saw him chipping in with goals and assists, big Champions League goals. Right, playing regularly in the Champions League. Right, like I, I think he's taken a big step forward. I think there's a move after Porto for him, and I mean, what a player we have! Thank, thank the Lord he chose Canada. Uh, Derek Cornelius is another one I'd like to mention at Malmo. Um, again, he's he's really pushing Kamal Miller, like I said. And, and you know, Canada, they're weakest at the back. We all know that. So to see someone like Derek Cornelius take a big step forward, I think that's that's great to see. And hopefully when he comes back from this injury, uh, he can really chip in for the Canadian men's national team. Uh, the other one I'd like to say is Kyle Laren, right? You look at uh, eight goals in that loan spell with uh, Valladolid and La Liga. What a loan that he had. I mean, absolutely incredible. Now he's got La Liga teams uh, looking at him because obviously Valladolid got, got relegated. Uh, so he's not going to stick with them. La Liga teams are looking at him. I'm sure he'll get the move. Uh, what a lone spell that Kyle Aaron had. So, yeah, I mean, to have two informed strikers coming into this Nations League Final Four, that is incredible. And I really hope it makes the difference in these knockout games. Of course, Adam, you know, Stephanie Stacchio, my favorite Canadian national team player. 
what a season. I mean, playing regularly in the Champions League and in the league helps out big time with experience. And with Atiba leaving, I think that puts even more pressure on him. But I think he's someone who can definitely handle the pressure. And for Kyle Lahren, you know, he's been in down form at Club Bruges, got that loan spell to Valladolid. And now, yes, you mentioned it, La Liga teams are looking at the signature of Kyle Lahren because he is so lethal in front of goal and can provide you goals when in the right form. It was just a matter of time for Kyle Lahren and he got the time, he got the playing time at Valladolid and now he's going to hopefully get the move to a club where he'll be playing consistently, he'll be staying in form and he'll be getting those goals to improve his confidence as well. Speaking of which, which players do you expect to make a big move this summer? We already talked about Jonathan David and how he might, you know, go to the Prem or might go to another bigger club. We've mentioned Kyle Lahren, obviously, who might go to another La Liga team or he, maybe he has a breakout at Club Bruges. We'll see. We don't know yet. We're not, <laughs> we're not Fabrizio, so we have no insider news. Or maybe someone, maybe someone else that's on your mind. But for me, those are the main two. But let's let's maybe talk about some other players here in getting a big move this summer. Yeah, I think before I get into that, one more player I forgot to mention was Alistair Johnston in the season he had at Celtic. The fans over there love him, and his best performances have come in the biggest of games, and that is typical Alistair Johnston. So, really happy. I think that Celtic is the springboard to a Premier League move in the future. So absolutely, I want him to stay at Celtic next season. I think there's more uh, developing there uh, to do, but I think he's on his way, Alistair Johnston, to big things. In terms of who's going to make a big move this summer, uh, so we talked about Laren, like you said. I think he's going to get that La Liga move to maybe a bottom half of the table team. Uh, Jonathan David, nothing's really accelerated yet. With him, um, you know, team teams are going to have to pay anywhere from maybe 60 million euros, 65 million euros. That's sort of fee that Lille are demanding. So it's going to be a record-setting move for a Canadian player. So, yeah, like it could be Premier League. It could be La Liga. It could be Serie A. I'd love to see him in the Bundesliga. I'd love to see him at Bayern. We know they need a striker. I'd love to see him with Alfonso Davies if that could happen. Uh, I think he would do really well in the Bundesliga or maybe even a Leipzig. Uh, so, you know, the sky's the limit for Jonathan David. I, I think he'll make his big move. Um, the other ones that I'm looking at, Tijon Buchanan, uh, he's been rumored to go to Inter Milan. That hasn't really accelerated yet either. The reason for that is that they have to sell Denzel Dumfries first, right? He's obviously their starting right wing back. I think Buchanan and I think Buchanan would fit in really well at Inter as the right wing back in Inzaghi's system, more of a counterattacking style. I think Buchanan would really flourish. So I'd love to see that move come to fruition. Uh, the other one that I think is going to be really interesting that we have to look at is Richie Larea. So obviously his loan is coming to an end, but Forrest stayed in the Premier League. So I don't think they're going to keep Richie Larea, right? I think they're going to look to either sell him permanently to TFC or move him elsewhere. Richie Larea has been one of the best defensive players in the MLS this season. TFC have been horrific, but Richie Larea has been incredible. 
And I think he could play in Europe. I could see him in the championship or another league in Europe. I really, I really think he could do it. I really do. So I'd love to see him get a move in Europe. I hope that opportunity presents itself. I'm sure TFC, there will be the opportunity to stay there. I think there will be. Uh, but I would love to see him move somewhere in Europe. I think he could do it. Uh, I, obviously, I'm a big fan of Richie Larea. I think every Canadian that watches him regularly is. And I think he's been a little bit unlucky uh, with the way things have turned out at Forest. We love Richie Larea here. I mean, <laughs> it's classic TFC to just fumble and just have like one, two players that are just so good. I mean, there was Giovinco all those years ago. And then now it's Richie Larea and maybe even Bernadeschi. But now it's like, where does Richie Larea go from here, right? That's a big question on everyone's minds, especially now that you mentioned it, Forrest stayed in the Premier League. So now maybe Forrest have to look maybe, okay, do we keep Richie Larea or should we offload him now when we can try and get some cash for him? Because... When looking at this four squad, there isn't really much of a place for Richie Larea at the moment, although I do think that he's incredibly talented and incredibly gifted if he goes to another club. But at Forest right now, it's a big question mark as to does he play, does he not play, does he ride the bench? It's a big question, and for me, I would personally love to see him go to a club where he can get consistent playing time, maybe a club like a Norwich or maybe a club like a Watford or somewhere where he can still be playing at those top leagues like the championship but also get regular playing time and I don't think Forrest can provide that for him at the moment yeah if yeah you know what it's good you say consistent playing time because that's that's what's most important for these Canadian players wherever these players go especially too if you're on the outside looking in in this squad you know, if you're if you're going to move, make sure it's somewhere where you're getting consistent, consistent playing time. Because if you're not, John Herdman isn't really going to give you an opportunity because he really values um, informed players in, in these international windows and players that are playing consistently. So for all of these players, if you're going to move, make sure it's somewhere where you're going to be playing consistently. One more player I'd like to mention before we go on to this Panama game is Alfonso Davies because I know there's been some rumors about moving to Real Madrid and his contract and whatnot. I think he's going to stay. I think that he said he still has a few years remaining on his contract. I think he's pretty happy at Bayern. And I think he's actually maybe waiting for an opportunity to play higher up the pitch as a winger, right? So, I, I you know, I think... Every Canadian would love to see him get that opportunity at Bayern. I think maybe in the future, if he doesn't get that opportunity, then maybe he'll look to move to another club that will give him that opportunity. But I I do think he'll remain at Bayern uh, for this season. But a move in the future isn't out of the question. Alfonso Davies moving to Real Madrid would be the biggest punch to the gut for Barcelona. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard the news where Joan Laporta said that he didn't sign Davies because he's Canadian. I don't know what that means. I don't know what his intent was with that statement. But it would be just such a blow for Barcelona if Davies was like, nah, screw you guys, I'm going to Real Madrid now. But I 
I think that he's pretty happy at Bayern. I don't think he's going to move this summer or even next summer. Maybe in a couple of years, maybe he'll try and get a move to another, just a new environment, just to, you know, just refresh the mind and refresh where he's playing. But I think he'll stay at Bayern for at least a couple more years. Now let's get into the preview of the Panama game. I want to hear it from you first, right? Why are the Nations League's finals so important for this Canada squad? Yeah, so it's it's really about building sustained success for the first time in this program's history. Right, and what I mean by that is is reaching the latter stages of these CONCACAF tournaments consistently and winning trophies. That's sustained success. Canada's never had that. Uh, and, I mean, you look at Mexico and the United States and... You know, it, this these games are too about ending an era that's been dominated by Mexico and the United States in CONCACAF. So Canada last won a trophy in 2000. So they're trying to end that drought. Right, they won the Gold Cup in 2000. Since then, the United States and Mexico have won every CONCACAF title. Every Gold Cup and US won the inaugural Nations League. Right, and more often than not, it's always been Mexico versus US in the final. Panama, Jamaica have gotten to a few, but usually it's Mexico versus U.S. So now it's time to end that era. I believe Canada can do it. I believe they will end that era in the near future. And to end that era, you have to win a trophy. You have to break their dominance. And a big two in CONCACAF has to turn into more of a big three. Right? Costa Rica had some great teams in the 2010s, obviously, they had a deeper World Cup run than both Mexico and U.S. in the 2010s when they made the quarters in, in uh, 2014. But they never won a trophy. They never even got to a final in the, in the 2010s. So it's time now for Canada to end this era in CONCACAF that's been dominated by U.S. and Mexico. So that's why this is important. I think for this program for the Canadian men's national team they need that winning mentality they need to win trophies and listen for whoever saw that debate on one soccer about are Canada the kings of CONCACAF whatever we can all argue that Canada are the best team in CONCACAF we can make that argument Uh, I think you can make a really good argument for that but the kings of CONCACAF means sustained success means winning trophies Until Canada win a trophy, I don't think they're the kings. So now it's time to win a trophy. So it's about sustained success and winning trophies. I think it's especially important this Nations League's finals due to the fact that Canada are avoiding either the U.S. or Mexico. They're playing each other in the semifinals, which means it won't be a a U.S. versus Mexico final. It will likely, in my opinion, very likely be Canada versus the US or Mexico and this is a great opportunity because oftentimes you'll have to do like a Canada versus Mexico or Canada versus US and then you'll play the other team in the final. This Nations League finals is especially important due to the fact that we're avoiding one of those two quote-unquote giants in CONCACAF. So if there's any time for Canada to break that big two and make it into a big three era, this is the time. This is the era And this is the year for Canada's men's national team to finally break that ever so dominated by U.S. and Mexico era. Yeah, that's that's a 
you know, a fabulous uh, point you make about the opportunity Canada have here. Because yes, you avoid both Mexico and US in the semis. On top of that, you have Mexico with a new coach, Diego Cocha, and they struggled in March. I I watched both their games in March. They beat Suriname 3-0, but let me tell you, Suriname had chances and it was not a 3-0 game. Jamaica caused their backline all sorts of problems. That was a 2-2 draw. Jamaica could have won the game. The game was in the balance, right? They barely got through the group stage, right? And there's a bit of turnover in that squad. You know, you look at the U.S., they're on their second interim manager right now, right? They're still looking for a permanent manager. So Canada clearly have the best coach in CONCACAF here, as although we'll get into it, Thomas Christensen's quite good for Panama, but Canada clearly do have the best, I believe, the best coach here. I think they have the players that are in form. A lot of the United States players, like Pulisic, like McKinney, Adams, Aronson, they've struggled this year. Canada's in form, their players, and and I think this is a real opportunity. I, I completely agree with you. Canada should expect to win this trophy. I think settling for anything less would honestly be kind of a disappointment, especially with the form that the U.S. and Mexico are both in. You mentioned it, Mexico look all over the place. And with the U.S., they don't have stability in their head coach. They're still looking for one, and all the players have been super out of form. This is the opportunity for Canada to grab some silverware for the first time in about 23 years. Now, let's talk briefly about what to expect from Panama tactically and the starting 11 for Canada in this game. Yeah, so Panama, John Herdman called Panama one of the two hardest teams that he's faced since, one of the two hardest CONCACAF teams that he's faced since becoming the coach for the Canadian men's national team. I mean, I think there's good there's good reason for him to say that. I think Thomas Christensen's done a great job. No one expected them to get anywhere near qualifying for the last World Cup, and they were in the top four in the in the table most of the time. If it wasn't for that late surge from Costa Rica, they would have come fourth and played New Zealand in the Intercontinental Playoff, and they probably would have won that. So the fact that they got that close was, I think, an achievement for them because. Honestly, there were some people that didn't even think they'd get past Curacao in the second round. So, like, you know, Christensen's done a great job. Obviously, they're here in the Nations League semis after doing the double over Costa Rica in the group stage. So, Panama are a good team. And they really maximize their quality and talent. So, um, what to expect from them? They'll usually start in sort of 5-4-1, 4-4-2. Always that sort of midfield pivot. They're going to be very compact they're going to look to block central areas they're going to have less of the ball here although that i think with christensen they're a team that's more on the front foot while maintaining the defensive discipline that we know historically from panamanian sides however he is playing canada here a team that's so good in transition so i think panama will have less of the ball and try to limit canada stop them from playing through those central areas so expect that they have people like uh, Karaskia that'll really drive play from midfield drive that transitional play to look to get the ball out wide and then some service into the likes of uh, Waterman to attack so for Panama they're, they're a team that 
I think can frustrate you. Canada are going to have to be patient here. Uh, but with the quality in Canada's team, um, if you can really get behind that midfield pivot and then start to pull players out of that defensive shape that Panama will be in, I think you can really cause problems. I completely agree with you there. And I think I think Panama will have to sit back a bit in this game. You know, Canada, as you mentioned, such a great team in transition. And they, we saw at the World Cup, they play their style of football. doesn't matter who they're going up against. They'll always play their own style. They won't really be the type of team to be like, okay, they're a stronger opponent. We'll sit back a lot more of the time. They like to be the aggressors. They like to be the team that presses forward and really likes to be, as I mentioned, the aggressive side. But let's briefly talk about the starting 11 for Canada in this game. And I think there won't be much difference. I think it will be the expected starting 11 that a lot of people will expect. But let's break it down, Adam. Yeah, I think for, for Canada, they're going to have to break down Panama. Like I said, I think the reason, uh, the the way to go in terms of breaking Panama down is we've seen Canada start more of a 3-5-2 in March. I think you can tweak that a little bit. And the reason why I say that is I think you want to outnumber Panama in midfield, right? They got their midfield pivot. Try to outnumber them. Um, but I think you could go with more of a 3-4-1-2 and have a that number 10 floating behind Panama's midfield pivot. Looking to get behind them and then maybe pull a center back out of position, open up space in behind. And if you can outnumber Panama in midfield, all of a sudden that midfield pivot starts to get stretched and pulled out of position. Spaces open up for Estacchio, for Kone. We know the quality they have on the ball. And then once players start to be pulled out of position, then Panama's shape starts to get discombobulated and spaces start to open up in behind. Spaces open up for Davies, for Buchanan in those wide areas. Spaces open up for David Laren in behind the center backs. So I think it's really about outnumbering Panama in midfield to really stretch their midfield pivot. And then you start pulling people out of position. And then you start having joy. And some of those third man runs, you can really get in behind Panama. So I think that's the way to go for, for Canada. My starting 11 is Boyan and goal, Miller, Vittoria, Johnston, back three, Davies, Buchanan, wingbacks, and then Estacchio and Kone. And then I'm going to go with Hoylett as a number 10, and then David and Laren. The reason why I went with Hoylett is because Azorio just came back from an injury. I'm not sure he's totally 100%. He played about 89 minutes with TFC over the weekend. But I think Hoylett may be in better form here. So that maybe that's who Herdman goes with. Davies is obviously nursing an injury. He hasn't played since uh, April in that Bayern game that he got injured. But I think he's going to play here. I just think Herdman's being quiet about it. Yeah, my starting lineup is exactly the same. Um, I think Hoylett's been super informed. And I think he will get the nod from John Herdman. As you mentioned, John Herdman does really value those informed players and I think that this will be a very very interesting game so go Canada in this game right thanks for tuning in guys I know it's been a while but we missed you guys and we will return soon to preview Sunday's game